We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. Do you ever feel like you're crazy? Like you're sitting in a meeting in your school and they're saying these things and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Sometimes I feel like that too. So I found a place where I didn't feel like that. That's at Change School. And that is run by the Modern Learners guys, Bruce Dixon, Will Richardson. You're going to love it. Their next cohort is opening up, and I invite you to attend that. It's amazing. Go to transformativeprincipal.org slash change school to check it out for yourself. That's transformativeprincipal.org slash change school and check it out. So every once in a while, I make a mistake, and this week is one of those weeks. Somehow, my side of the audio for this interview with Mia isn't great, and my amazing audio editor, Jelko, is doing the best he can to fix it. But even though it's not great, what Mia says comes out great, and she's the star of the show anyway. So thank you so much for listening, and I hope that this audio isn't too bad for you. Welcome to Transformative Principle. This is episode 282 with Mia Mia for joining us on Transformative Principle and welcome. I'm so glad, glad to talk with you today. Thank you, Jethro. I'm really excited to be here. And anytime I can talk about education, supporting teachers and making learning joyful for students and teachers, I am excited to do that. So thanks. Well, that is great. I love talking to fellow educator nerds, and that just makes my day. So let's talk a little first about you and your background and what you're currently doing. Yeah, so I um, have 
uh, a long background in education. I've been in it 22 years now. I was an elementary school teacher myself, 15 years in the classroom, um, went on to become a math specialist and um, get into instructional coaching, um, got my administrative degree, and I currently am the co-founder and chief operating officer of Constructive Learning Design. And um, my co-founder, Jay Corrick, and I started this organization to support teachers and leaders in education and um, make learning joyful through wonderful uh, learning experiences. So let's talk a little bit about what those learning experiences are like, because not everybody describes learning as joyful. And in the short time we've been talking, you've already mentioned it at times. So tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, that's something I'm really passionate about. And to be honest with you, I almost left education based on that because I was seeing how some of my elementary students' spirits were being crushed due to standardized testing. My own spirit, I loved teaching. I left a career in television advertising to become a teacher, and I loved it. I loved getting out of bed every morning and going to work. And I was really starting to contemplate leaving the profession that I loved because the joy was being, you know, it was seeping away, unfortunately. So I found instructional coaching, and that's really what saved me and kept me in this profession that I love. So our organization... First, I'll tell you our belief statement because that really uh, gets to the heart of what we do and why we do it. We believe that if we design and deliver powerful learning experiences for educators, they will design and deliver powerful learning experiences for students. And so we do that in three main ways. We train and support instructional coaches. So like I said, instructional coaching saved me and I firmly believe in it. I believe it can transform cultures and it can transform education itself and transform the the learning experiences for teachers and for students. So we have a year-long certificate program where we train instructional coaches, curriculum facilitators, mentors, teacher leaders, assistant principals of instruction, anybody who falls into that category of supporting teachers. We also support um, new teachers ourselves. So we have a team of coaches and we support new teachers when it comes to planning, instruction, assessment, and standard operating procedures or classroom management. Or we like to call it classroom leadership because we believe that students are people and they'd much rather be led than managed. Oh, preach, sister. I love it. (laughs) That is exactly right. So, um, and then the final thing that we do is we connect students with their community. So we um, are really focused on work-based learning experiences and connecting students and educators with community organizations and businesses where they can work together to solve problems through experiential learning. That that sounds awesome. I also have seen the power of coaching in a school and how it can make such a huge difference. And I want to talk about that collaboration with businesses in a minute. But first, I want to talk a little bit more about coaching because there are sometimes coaches like, we can't afford that. We need people in front of kids. And so we can't, we sacrifice NFTE to put them as code because we really need to keep our, our class size down. You know, you know that that's one of the excuses I've heard memes about not having coaches. What role, role does that play and how do they make so that the culture and the learning experience at the school can be different. 
Yeah, my my first argument would be you can't afford not to have coaches. And if you can't have people who are in that specific role of instructional coach, there are still many ways to incorporate coaching into a culture. So I understand that budget is an issue that almost all school districts are dealing with. But if you have, we also work with leaders. So if you have leaders who lead by example and have coaching skills, research shows that leaders with coaching skills are more effective and more impactful. And so we have a lot of leaders, principals and uh, district leaders who go through our program to learn those coaching skills. And when I say coaching skills, I'm talking about communication, active listening, questioning, developing a culture uh, where coaching is is normal. You know, teachers coach one another if there aren't any instructional coaches in the building. And building a culture where feedback is just part of the norm. People uh, seek out feedback because they know that it helps them to improve as a professional. So that's one way of having leaders kind of, you know, take on that coaching role as just part of what they do. And then having teaching teachers to collaborate and coach one another. Peer coaching is extremely effective. So teaching professional protocols where teachers can collaborate and visit each other's classrooms and just work together is another way to overcome that. Yeah. And, you know, we've done in my schools a lot of uh, instructional rounds or... yes. A teacher walk the walk there's one thing and observing classes and you know I I always think when, when I'm a coach myself and then then became a a principal my teaching got way better because I got to see so many so many other things and when I was I was a teacher I pretty much never went into anybody else's classroom because I was focused on doing my thing with my kids it's um, how do you start to develop that culture of of going observing other teachers, giving feedback, seeking feedback, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, a lot of developing culture falls on the leader. And I think just having the expectation that, hey, in this building, we visit each other's classrooms. It's just part of what we do. That's the first step. And then you can set up protocols and structures to make that a comfortable and enjoyable experience. You know, some people are not going to be comfortable with that at first, especially if you've been teaching a long time and you're used to having your door closed and just doing your thing. So there are ways to build that as part of your culture so that it's just a natural piece of your professional life. I agree with you. When I started coaching and I was traveling around and visiting all different school districts, I thought, oh my gosh, I would be such a better teacher today because of all the things that I'm seeing. But I was also able to use it because a big part of my coaching ended up being sharing the ideas of of teachers with one another, you know? So I would see one thing in a classroom and I'm traveling across the state and I'm sharing it with somebody else. And so one of the things that we're doing in our organization is building that community. We're starting a conference specifically for instructional coaches and people that support teachers. And we want those people to be able to connect in a way that's meaningful and they can share ideas with one another and share ideas with the teachers that they support. So I've done instructional rounds. That's something that I started working for a nonprofit when I left the classroom. And that was definitely one of the things that we did in the schools. In in constructive learning design, we don't call it instructional rounds, but we work in coaching cycles. 
So when we're coaching teachers, we go through the process of a learning cycle where, you know, you're having those great conversations and those co-planning sessions, you're visiting classrooms, you're collecting evidence of learning, and you're having those great reflective conversations as well. And then we teach teachers to do that with one another so that they can always feel comfortable visiting their peers' classrooms and making it a meaningful experience. One of my favorite quotes is, the best professional development is your colleague down the hall. Yeah, I have definitely seen evidence of that myself and seen how, so at my school here, we have a, we have three scientists and one science teacher was the only one that saved, saved from last year. And she is like super collaborative and wants to work with everybody in the school, in the school and is always doing things to gauge others. And I hired uh, the, the other two teachers. I said, you know, look, you've got a great person who is already here. She's doing great work. I need you to like, to like join in her work. And what I saw over the course of the year was those three science teachers. I would, I would go into their rooms and it would be one of the other teachers in the room like all the time. And then so I would always find them in each other's rooms, talking to each other, learning from each other, helping out the kids. They heard all 400 kids in our school, shared them between the three of them, regardless of who they actually had as a teacher. And, you know, when that, when that way of doing business, like really looked at it, saw that these kids didn't even know who science teacher was in the grade book. They knew they were getting help from whatever science teacher was there. You know, you know, it was really, really powerful to see how then the skills of each teacher, like what they were good at, they were, were really, really good at, and they were developing even better what they were struggling with. Then they had people to say, oh, hey, if you try doing it like this, this would work better. And it wasn't like this, oh, I'm a bad teacher. It was, was a, oh, thank you. I've been trying to figure out how, how to do that. And it was just amazing. There wasn't any of this like, this like competition or you're saying I'm a bad teacher or anything like that. Like that culture of coaching just was so beautiful to see in, in that science group of teacher, teachers. It was just amazing. And and I love seeing that kind of stuff happen when people actually have that culture. Of That's a great example. And when people start to operate that way and they collaborate, it's addictive. You don't want to operate any other way because you know, collectively, you're stronger than you are as an individual. So that is certainly something that we believe in. I had the advantage of teaching at a year-round school for 14 of the 17 years I was a teacher. And on because of that schedule, I was able to visit other schools and other classrooms who were in session when we were out of session. And it just became a, a part of the way I had to operate. And I think you also brought up a great point in coaching is not meant uh, to make a teacher feel like they're not doing a good job. It's all about positioning. And again, this is where the leaders come in. If you can position coaching to your staff in a way that it feels like it's a support and it's something that we're all in together, people are going to be much more receptive 
And also, I think it's really important for leaders to set that example, you know, come into a staff meeting and say, hey, I'd like to introduce you to my coach. This is my coach or this is my collaborative group of administrators and we support each other. We work together. We talk about our issues because I know that I get better when I work collaboratively with others. So setting that example is really important. Yeah, one of the things that I do is is host Astromas for Principles, which are group coaching, coaching type thing. And and so I'm always kind of my teachers, teachers about, well, today in the mastermind, this happened, or this week in the mastermind, this happened up and down. It's, it's been really powerful to see that and hear teachers like, wait, you mean you get coached too? Like, uh-huh. you aren't just like coming up with all these crazy ideas all by yourself. And like, no, I do the podcast and I do these masterminds and learn a lot from their people. And, you know, that's really an amazing way to learn that for some reason, reason education has just been, there's been a stigma attached to it. Why do you think that there's that stigma attached to getting feedback from others? Um, I think in education particularly, it's because historically the way feedback has been given has been extremely evaluative and it has not been given on a consistent basis. So typically, you know, you go through your teacher evaluation process. It might happen once a year, maybe twice a year. It's kind of a checklist and it's not really presented in a way that, hey, this is to help you get better as a professional. This is to help our student learning. This is to help all of us move toward our shared vision it's just seen as I'm going to come in, I'm going to look for things you're doing wrong, and I'm going to point those things out to you, and I'm going to expect you to fix it by the next time I come in. So again, I think it's about positioning uh, feedback and what that means to us as professional educators. Also, I think coaches have been assigned to teachers in a punitive way. So you have a struggling teacher, you have someone who maybe is put on an action plan and one of the interventions is, you know what, I'm going to give you a coach because you don't know what you're doing. And when coaching is presented in that way, that negative connotation comes right along with it. Yeah. And in that situation, it's really important to have a culture of coaching ready so that you're not waiting until the action plan to give them support, right? Yes, yes. It seems like a brainer, and yet, you know, it's still challenging for for many leaders to implement that. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. 
Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.